0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the State 2 Network, brought to you by Nova Insider, um, uh, and we're a little bit of a mess here, uh, because we're this a is, lot of a mess. This is the fourth try of like trying to get this particular episode off the ground. The team has trouble finishing, we have trouble starting. So, <laughs> this is fourth, fourth try. First two tries were just false starts. The third try, or sorry, the second try, I literally um, just forgot how to do a countdown. Like, it was like five, four, two, three, two, one. It was a mess. We all It was just broke out it was plaster. interesting. Yeah. And then and then and then on the last try our producer Brian his power just went out at his house. Like we were like about a minute into the podcast and then boom he lost power. So Southeastern Pennsylvania power grid, I don't know what's going on there, but That's hopefully rough. you're back up run.
1: Well, um, if we if we have trouble starting, we're always looking for sponsorships. I think there's some prescriptions out there that maybe they'd be a good sponsor for the full 40, but we'll get to that later. There you go. There we go. Uh
0: so maybe a maybe a maybe Roman or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't keep him straight these days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, there's <laughs> there's medicine for that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. We're really, we're really it, uh, it's
1: uh it's gonna a it's gonna be a day. It's gonna
0: be a day. It's gonna be a day. Rob's got his drink pulled up right now. Rob, what are you drinking?
1: Um switching it up today. Uh Woodford Reserve unfortunately did not call us last week. So I had to switch the whiskey I was drinking. So next up, getting their shot this week is Lagavulin, one and only, coming from Scotland, uh, the Isles up there. It's terrific. It's peaty. I raided my father's liquor cabinet. I'm back home in the great state of Pennsylvania, in Appalachia, the capital of Appalachia, Pittsburgh, as I like to call it. But yeah, so I did actually get an upgrade on the whiskey front today, and I'm pretty pumped about it, which is helping me take this thing away from the results earlier. What do you what do you got on tap?
0: Uh today I have maker's mark because I am trying to a drink a lot as seen by the size and enormity of this bottle. So there's nothing. that part of it. But nothing, also I'm nothing beats the Costco bottle that you had of like. like a fucking gigantic amount of whiskey a giganto (laughs) bottle of of whiskey yes um but the other part of that is i decided to go bourbon little homage to bourbon street no oh (laughs) really stretching here to hope that we can get right back on the right track for a final four run so okay that was kind of the thought process behind it Um, But mostly the fact that I wanted to drink more um, after today's shit show. Um, So we got a lot to cover today. Um, Just just a lot. Thanksgiving coming up. No games until Sunday next week. So we're actually going to do a preview at the next podcast. Working out an interview guest um, that we can do later in the week. So we'll get something out to you guys later this week. Hopefully for a for a preview of the Big Five games to come on Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday of next week. So no preview. This is just a recap of the week that was. Talk a little bit about what happened. A lot of bit about what happened. Um, Hand out some awards. Maybe do a little Thanksgiving special, and then we'll whip around the Big East. So that's kind of what we got on tap for us for this podcast. So with that, I think we dive right in and go through the results of this week. So we beat Howard on Tuesday, a score of 100 to 81. I don't want to spend too much time on Howard, other than the fact that our offense was obviously good, our defense was obviously not, um, and definitely raised some concerns. Howard shot the lights out, can't deny that, but was unhappy with the defensive effort um, in the fact that we weren't able to close out on shooters. Um, This is a team that we had a massive size advantage against and still couldn't manage to keep them from putting the ball through the net. Doesn't matter because we won the game going away. Um, So I don't want to spend too much time on Howard when obviously the focus was on the weekend. Um, So two major results this weekend. We beat number, I think, 17 Tennessee um, by a score of um,
1: A, a lot to a little.
0: Yeah, it was ended up being like 7153 or something like that, I think, at the end yeah. of it. But it but that it wasn't even that close. It's like, not that up,
1: close. No. We were up
0: like 20, 25 um for majority of that second half. And then, you know, at the end, you know, they they hit a couple of late buckets to try and make it look a little bit better than it was. Um but followed that up by losing to Purdue 80 to 74. Um, after having, and if, tell me if you've heard this before, after holding a lead, um, a double digit lead Ugh. with, with, uh, under 10 minutes remaining in the game.
1: It's not great. That's not great. And it's becoming
0: a theme. I don't know if it's a narrative yet, but it's at least becoming a theme at this point. It's an early theme of the season that against top five ranked top five, six ranked, whether they're going to be in the top five this week, uh, uh, top five ranked opponents um that we seem to play about 30 minutes the full 30 minutes the full 30 unfortunately the games go for 40 and so (laughs) we have not been able to do those last 10 minutes well so if i was jay what i would practice is just the last 10 minutes of games like
1: like just do you you think he's maybe not telling them not using the phrase the full 40 enough
0: yeah maybe that's what it is
1: it's probably i think we solved the issue i think that's it there you go Practice the last ten. Just say more. Play the full forty. I haven't heard it in a lot of press conferences, so clearly something is falling through the cracks here. But that's why we're here.
0: It's the value we bring to Villanova basketball. In truth, Rob, how do you want to do this? How do you want to? Do you want to go like game Tennessee first and then talk Purdue? We just want to dive right into Purdue and then we can kind of back out of like doing okay the yeah. positives and. T-
1: yeah, yeah. Let, let's
0: just dive into Purdue because, like, I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's weird if we're
1: ticking through Tennessee when everybody's got Purdue on their mind. Like that's the last thing on your, on your mind. It's the last thing we saw. It was terrible. And I think taking Tennessee in a vacuum without thinking about Purdue is just silly. So let's, let's start with Purdue and we'll inevitably talk about whatever comes up with Tennessee too.
0: All right. So the Purdue game. So really fun, energetic, up and down first half. We end with a 33 to 31 lead. I believe that was the halftime score. Um, they had the ball in the last possession of the second half, and Slater stood up to uh, Ivy. Who that kid's electric? That kid's like a oh like a God. poor man's John Morant, in my opinion. Um, that kid's terrific. Uh, but um, stands him up. Um, he drives the lane. Slater stands up, like gets a nice big block, Huge and play. we end the game with some, we end the half with some momentum. Go into the locker room with a little bit of a lead. Then in the second half, there was no like debate. Like the first 10 minutes of that second half were just like all Villanova. Like we had them, we had them locked down. We had them play in the way we wanted to play. We kind of went small ball, which we talked on the podcast last week about. We thought, Hey, this is what needs to be done um, because there's never going to be an answer for that guy, Edie, not even Trevion Williams is now, we don't have an answer for guys that big. So how do you play that? Well, your best, Defense against that is to run small and make them adjust to you and adjust to your force of will. Um, and I thought Jay ran that game plan from that standpoint um, to perfection in that we had them going. Um, we had we had uh, we kept like backing them down into the post and then kick it out and getting weak side threes. Um You know, Caleb Daniels, I want to shout him out because he he finally started to find the bottom of the net and that was a refreshing um, fact. And so everything was going right until it stopped going right with about 10 minutes left in the first half. I mean, in the second half um, in the game, uh, when when the legs clearly went out from under the uh, us, quite literally, uh, as. The free throw started getting missed. Mental errors started to be made. Um, the f- shots were all short. Uh, and and we were late on switches, late on closeouts, everything. And the tide turned and turned quickly with about six minutes remaining. And then, boom, before you know it, we got to the under fourth timeout. And it really felt like the game was already lost by that point. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It was one of those ones I look back on, and if we had pulled this out, I would have come away from this feeling way more pumped than I would have expected to. It was, like you said, the first 30 minutes of this was just a, and honestly, from an objective standpoint, 35 minutes of this game was really exciting and it was one of those punch counterpunch type games. Honestly, a few more make made shots in the first half would have reminded me a bit more of the UNC type game, obviously the national championship, which was a classic, Run, catch, punch, counter punch, and we just ended up on top at the end. It seemed to be playing out like that. And I was really impressed with our team's ability to take those punches, to deal with them. In, even in the first half, it seems, I think we got down eight or something like yeah. that. And I was a little bit worried that we weren't going to be able to just show up today, but we did. And this team got it done. Really interesting team in Purdue. Really interesting matchup. Can't say enough about Jaden Ivy. That guy was really fun to watch. I would love to have him on Nova. There's no way he would fit with Nova from a stylistic standpoint, but super cool to watch. And obviously just super weird matchups that you alluded to with both Edie and Trevion Williams. This is one of those teams that, um, you know, no matter who we play the rest of the year, it's going to be one of the more interesting games that we can look back on from a matchup perspective for sure
0: yeah and i think before we get into really in depth kind of breaking down kind of why we lost and i have a very particular reason why i think we lost um i think you have to give a lot of credit to purdue right like to me to me i test only and this is not like Coach level college basketball guy, etc. Oh, it's not.
1: <laughs> you're no. not. You're not a coach. A guy D1.
0: No, no. But, <laughs> but Purdue is a national championship favorite. Like they are really good. Like I think they're better than UCLA in my. They are. They are definitely better than UCLA. They're definitely better sure. than U- UCLA in my opinion. And I am not seeing the obvious flaw. The guard play. The wing play. Um, They got a guy who can absolutely light you up from deep. Um, They have two monsters inside who have different skill sets and can do different things and they can defend different positions. Like it was there. That's so complete. Painter's a great coach who just hasn't happened to break through to the uh, final four yet. He's got the team this year to do it. Like, like find me a team other than not named Gonzaga that is better than Purdue. And I'm not sure you're, you're finding it. Um, I I agree. I think
1: Gonzaga remains the prohibitive favorite until something changes. But I agree after that. Yeah. Purdue's got as good a shot as anybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Purdue is excellent. And I think Jay called a great game from a strategic standpoint, but we have to get into this. Here's what happened. Okay. When you're down, when you're up 10 or 11, actually with 10 minutes remaining, and you salt and you lose that lead, like that can happen, right? Like college basketball is a game of runs, but it wasn't just that we lost that lead. It wasn't like, Oh, they made some sick defensive moves, hit a couple threes to our twos and kind of salted away the game similar to how North Carolina salted away to the game you referenced earlier, the 2016 title game, North Carolina, like we didn't play bad. We didn't choke that game away. North Carolina kind of like was an excellent team that was able to salt that game, that, that lead away late in that game. This is not what happened here. This is like literally the power button kind of went off on our guys and everything. It was a cascade. It was like a waterfall, And it was like, and it was like, all of a sudden, like we went from up six, seven, eight by the time they kind of really got going to like down eight and it was like fast and furious. And it was like over, it was like very fast. And so what happened there is like, I, I lined everything up as to all of the, all of the symptoms, if you will. But the key thing that happened here is our guys ran out of steam. There was no legs left. On our guys, yep. and like when you start seeing it, like these are guys, and this is what this is how I know, right? Like Colin Gillespie throws that ridiculously terrible pass, um, just lollygags a pass across court, like and gets and it gets picked, and guy goes off in a breakaway steal.
1: Wait, like, which, by the way, Collins maybe thrown like I can't, I literally can't think of it because they just never happen. Like no, maybe never thrown happened. like
0: two of two of those throughout his entire career at Nova. Yeah, that's like exactly... It doesn't he, happen. That's exactly my point. We go, we shoot like an uncharacteristically horrible percentage from behind, uh, from the free throw line. That doesn't happen oh, yeah. for Villanova teams. When you start seeing like that stuff happen, like that's a clear sign that like, it's not performance. It's not like an execution thing that is, that is behind. That is the root cause. If we're doing a root cause analysis... Like, it's not the root cause of, of the failure. Like, the team did not choke this game away. The team had nothing left to give in this game. Like, that's what happened. And so and so when you think about that, okay, so, like, how do you fix that? You could say, oh, is it conditioning, etc. Look, there is something to be said for the fact that this team did not have a complete preseason uh, regiment For almost all of the players, Colin Gillespie was sidelined with the MCL for several months. Um, Justin Moore was concussed for several months. Uh, Caleb Daniels was uh, was dealing with myocarditis for a long time. Um, You had Brandon Slater, who was who was concussed. I believe, uh, or he was injured in some way, shape or form after the car accident or whatever it was. Um, and something. Then, something. yeah, no, he was, but he was out, right? Like if, I'm not making it up. Like, so almost every guy on the team, like dealt with something in the offseason that really held them back in terms of, in terms of being able to be properly, fully conditioned, have that full off season regimen. But if Shaq says that these guys are in shape, these guys are in shape, right? Like what happened instead was that these guys played in back-to-back games, um, and and the Tennessee game played inexplicably thirty-five minutes or so on for most of these guys when we were up like twenty-five points, yeah. like for the majority of that game, so it didn't need it, and then played almost the entire game versus Purdue and. The, the type of minutes matters here, right? Because because Purdue we were undersized. So what happens when you're undersized is that, and we switch. So every guy is defending every position. That comes with like getting super low in order to front the post and try and block passing lanes, etc. You got to get low. You got to get your hands up constantly. It's a very active defensive posture. So 40 minutes or 35 minutes of Villanova basketball is. When, when playing a team like Purdue is an absolute marathon of a, of a length of time. So, so these guys are absolutely toast by the end of that game. And the reason why, and I, and I put this on Twitter, but like the, the, the loss, it falls purely on Jay, right? Like, like purely on Jay, right? Like you could, you have two choices, right? You could choose to pick Jay for not getting the, for not for not helping the minutes wise, or you could blame the players for failing to execute. To me, the minutes and the legs were the the root cause behind the execution. So I am laying the loss at Jay Wright's feet. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I mean, I think you
1: said pretty much everything we've been thinking about. And I think from a casual viewer, it even got called out a number of times on the broadcast. And I think a lot of, I don't know, I go back and forth in that, it seems like such an obvious fix that that can't be the answer, right? Like if you and I can sit here and say, Oh, I'm observing that nobody else is playing aside from our starters, because when Dixon was out, we went basically 10 minutes of gameplay with the same five players on the floor, aside from a 30 second appearance from Chris Archie Diacono. So you effectively have the same lineup on the floor. If we can see that, if the announcers can see that, Part of me says, it can't be that obvious, right? But sometimes I sit back and say, yeah, maybe it can be, right? You've got tired legs, as you were talking about. At the same time, like you're basically throwing the same continuous look at the other team and giving them 10 minutes to figure it out. Literally nothing is changing. The announcers were mentioning, hey, Villanova keeps running the same play. And it was effective until it wasn't, right? And unfortunately, we didn't have anybody else that we were going to to change up that look, to give us anything different that might just alter in any way, shape or form what was happening on the court offensively or defensively. So when you give your opponent and when you give a great coach like Matt Painter that much time to figure it out, they're going to figure it out. So, yeah, I think the legs absolutely contributed to it. I think. You said the root cause of the legs. I think the root cause is is the underlying rotation into that because I think that does play into the opponent's ability to take advantage of it, um, both on the offensive end and defensive end. But it's something that we've now seen a couple games. I think we were joking about, you know, not drawing too many conclusions from our last game. This is a clear narrative for this team. Like this is narrative. a narrative.
0: This it's is been narrative,
1: narrative, boom, official, boom. it's official narrative. This is the first official narrative of the season. This is giving permission to our fan base to keep talking about it just because you can see it. And it's obvious to you doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't need to be fixed. Jay's yeah. a great coach. We can still criticize him. This needs to get fixed. Like you don't get points. You don't get bonus points in the hall of fame for being stubborn and not fixing this. I don't, I don't get it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's look, and this is not any announcer, right? Like this friend for Shilla, he's a coach himself, pretty wise basketball mind overall. He, um, he also knows the program. Like I believe his son was a manager. I forget exactly the, the the reason his connection to the program, but he's connected to the pro like he knows Jay. He knows he's been around the program quite a bit. So this isn't just some guy who's just some rando calling the game. Like, this is someone who actually is in and out, kind of understands Villanova basketball and what Jay does. And, like, you could hear it in his voice as he's going through the announcing. Like, last – he did it in the Tennessee game, and he was like, look, like, he's a Hall of Famer, I'm not, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to, like, whatever. But, you know, I would definitely play other guys here. <laughs> like, he said it, yeah, last night. And then yesterday – and then today he was he was saying the same thing. He was like – yeah. I don't know. I think these guys are getting burnt out. These guys are tired. These guys, legs it, are shot. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, it, yeah. The Can bottom I, line I, is this, the bottom line is that if you talk to Jay, Jay is going to tell you, right. Like it's cause it's clear. Cause this is Jay, right. Like, and we've been fans of the program for long enough. Jay's going to be like, these guys aren't ready. I, I don't trust them on the court. And like, and like, fine. But at the same time, like, if you don't trust them on the court, do you trust them so little on the court? And I guess the answer to this question is yes, but like, I want to, I want to explore it more here with you is that if, if you trust these guys on the court so little, do you, does that also mean that you are fine with the fact that your starters are going to tire out? Like if like, like, to the point where they might not be able to compete at 80% of the level that they're normally able to compete at. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because that to me is the trade-off, right? Like, like it's not as simple to me, it's not as simple of an equation of Jordan Longino is not ready to play Villanova basketball. I can accept that, right? Like I can accept that freshmen in Jay Wright system aren't ready. We've seen it for our entire times. And like Justin Moore, Sadiq Bey, Jeremiah Robinson or Jalen Brunson and Omari Spellman are like the only guys other than like the early recruits and like arch, mm-hmm. like are the only guys who like ever broke through as freshmen to actually play meaningful minutes um, for a Villanova team. Like, so like, this is Jay's MO, like experience matters to him, understanding the program matters to him. Like. Understanding how to play, switch on defense and all that stuff, like break it down into the basketball stuff, but also the attitude stuff like it all matters to him. But these are guys in Longino and Joku and Patterson, who who in our preseason conversations with uh, Shaq Fit was. He said, like, these guys are working out good. These guys are. I mean, Patterson's been with the program for almost a year now, yeah. Um, and Joku got uh was hurt, was sidelined with a concussion, but like he was also beast in coming in there, and he was acting and getting after it. And Longino, I mean, Shaq sung is praises. Shaq, Shaq said, Oh, you're definitely gonna see Jordan, like, it, this guy's got a beast mentality, he was beast mode all year, getting ready for it, etc. So, like, so like, these guys are putting in the work. Right, like there's not a question about the work ethic or anything like that. These are like these are like Villanova basketball guys, but but like the, the issue isn't as simple as oh 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 we, he doesn't get it. He doesn't like he he's not good enough to play. I'm not saying play these guys for 15 minutes on end and see what they can contribute. This to me is not the issue. Like it's not an execution thing. I don't I'm not looking into them to really execute much. I'm saying I'm saying for a few minutes a game. Uh, A few minutes in the first half and a few minutes in the second half, give Longino a little bit of burn, give Njoku a little bit of burn, give Patterson a little bit of burn, to give Colin a rest, Justin Moore a rest, Caleb Daniels a rest, um, uh, Slater and Samuels and Dixon a rest. These guys can get three minutes of rest, might make all the difference in this game. Three minutes of rest, three minutes of coaching points as well. Call out, figure out, hear from the players
1: what they're seeing on the court. Give them some tips to like make those adjustments in-game, which we're just not getting. And some of our listeners may be saying, hey, look, I get it. Jay always runs a short bench. We know this. We know this. We know this. We beat this to death. No, this is an exception. We are effectively playing six people right now because Chris Yarchi-Jakino right now does not count. You saw that in the game today. He played 30 seconds max in that 10 minute game. So if we have one guy go down or who's in foul trouble, we are effectively playing the five players on the floor and that's it. And that is an issue. If you look back at 2016, the 2016, 17 season, 2018, 19 season, um, those are two years where we were, we know we knew, and we talked about just how short the bench was. There were still seven and eight guys playing meaningful minutes. And again, This may be earlier in the season. We'll get to this in a little bit. Jay may be ideally bringing the guys along, but this is still exceedingly tight to be managing this team. And I think you said it well. That's fine if we want to go that route. We just need to be comfortable with the consequences. And one thing I don't want to hear is I don't want to hear any listeners saying, oh, these are young guys. They're top athletes. They can handle two back-to-back games. Sure, they can, but they can't. Do it at the same level as another team that's running 10 guys. There's an inherent advantage there. And you just have more energy. Yes, they are elite athletes. Yes, they can run for 40 minutes straight. No problem. But they can't run as fast as somebody who's getting a break in between. Period.
0: Right, right, right. Purdue ran 10 guys yesterday and today. Right? Like, <laughs> like boom.
1: <laughs> yeah, Matt Painter. Like, like, Matt Painter's probably sitting there like, oh, shit, he's, he's not. He's not playing anybody else. Like, just fucking run. And you got yeah, Jaden Ivy there, man. That dude wants to run.
0: Like, come on, it's right. no, really no,
1: frustrating. Look,
0: look, look. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I get Jay's whole mentality. Jay's like, you earn your way onto the court. This, that, and the other thing, etc. It's also weird though because he plays them in the lower. Um, he plays them in the lower level games, like Longino and and joku in particular but specifically jordan longino has gotten burnt in every non-ucla and purdue game this year in like tennessee for a little bit but like so like so like jay's not afraid to actually put him in so this isn't even like a you need to learn villanova basketball type of thing like like you don't get it so you don't deserve to be on the court this isn't like jq not playing versus you yeah. Penn, right yeah. like this is yikes yeah <laughs> let's, let's hope we don't get any more of those this is jay literally saying you're not good enough to be yeah. on the court right now which is like again i keep coming back to this i realize i'm belaboring this point but like it's fine but it's not fine when colin gillespie is also incapable of playing at his level well, well, missing free throws left and right well, and throwing errant passes in the end of a game. Like that can't be the answer to the game. Here's,
1: here's the thing that bothers me too. Right. Is it's like, Oh, you know what? Um, we talked about this earlier. Like Jay's sometimes. Okay. Like, all right, if I'm going to uh, play a guy, like maybe I'll accept an early season loss, but we're, we're not playing guys. So Jay's being stubborn and we're still
0: losing. Right? So it's, it's not working. Right, it's not working. Right. It doesn't make any right. sense. It doesn't right, make any right. sense. That's a good point. That's a good point. If we emptied the bench and we lost today's game, yeah. you know what people, you know what people would say. And we lost the UCLA game. Yeah. You know what people would say, "Oh, this is definitely like a good learning experience. These cats are good. They got a lot of good pieces on this team, and they'll learn from this." And that's what people are saying, anyway. But the other part of that is that, like, this is Colin Gillespie who's been around. He's not, for he's like not learning a anything. Years. He's not going to learn anything new. Colin Gillespie is no.
1: Colin Gillespie. Right. Like, like he's, he's trying, played like, in big games. He played in the fucking national championship
0: game. Yeah. This is nothing. This is yeah. nothing. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, like like Colin Gillespie's not learning anything new. He's no, no new tricks that he's getting from playing against Purdue. Right. Like Justin Moore is not getting any new tricks at this point. Maybe he'll get a little bit better, more, a little bit more consistent. Like Samuels is Samuels, right? Yeah. Like he's always going to be Samuels. Slater probably benefits. Dixon probably benefits. Fine. I'll get, I'll give him that. And Daniels was clearly benefiting from the burn that he got. Yeah. Um, Archie Diacono cannot stay in front of a guy to save his life. So, so, so I'm not sure that that's the answer at all, um, which you alluded to earlier. So again, I get back to the fact that if the goal is to win the game, which it is, right? Like then, then Longino out there for five minutes, split between two halves of basketball, while all the other starters are in the game. So I'm asking, I'm not asking you yeah. to play like all the freshmen at once. I'm saying Longino, four experienced guys around him. Yeah. Right. Like, so that means you get more or Gillespie. Great. <laughs> like, like, right. So you're getting like all of that. So you get Longino in and like five minutes of resting Gillespie and more um, extra might make all the difference in this game. Forget, forget even here's, here's a hot day. Forget
1: resting Gillespie and more. I'd love to, if we're going to go small, like, I'd love to yell, like, let's get Dixon some rest too. Obviously, he had plenty of rest today because he picked up his fourth foul. But guess what? That dude gets winded quickly. And when he gets winded, he's going to be reaching. He's going to be slow to his spot. He's going to pick up fouls. One of them was a BS call today. But, like, point being, Dixon's going to benefit from having another player on the floor as well too because we're clearly we're comfortable going small.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's, just, it's ridiculous. So, so, six, look, six and a half guys, because I'm not counting Chris as a full seventh guy. Six six guys plus, really, honestly. Six guys plus is not the answer. And it cannot be the answer. And so and so we gotta figure this out. The Baylor game is coming in a few weeks, right? And that's the last great opportunity because Syracuse sucks. They lost a fucking Colgate at home. So Syracuse is gone,
1: right? Like that's Aheim
0: way over the hill. Woof. Yeah. Yeah, that game is I mean they made a sweet 16 last year but like I mean sweet they that he kind of like it's, it's a, a zone they, thing. It's yeah, a zone they, thing. They, they make it every thing. year because of that. It's like yeah, yeah, people don't know how to play against the zone so they get fucked up. But like but like we have Baylor. That's it. That's the only big game left in the in the conference schedule. So right now what we have to show for our season is 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 a win against Tennessee, which is good. It's a good te- game, and we get into that a little bit. And it's a blowout victory, so it, it is important because and, that they, kind and of they just team. beat they just beat UNC today. too. And they beat surprise. UNC, and so that game is going to pay dividends down the road. So, like, great win there. But like, you lay out this like massive out of conference schedule, you have to win some of those games. We talked about this earlier in the year. Like, we got to find a way to get a win after the UCLA game. We were like, okay, now this puts pressure on the rest of the schedule. Yep. Like, like. I'm glad we got Tennessee. We did go two and one. We predicted two and one and we said we'd prefer to beat Tennessee and then, and then, um, and then lose to Purdue than the opposite situation. Fine. But the, the frustrating factor is that you have those UCLA and Purdue games in hand and to not come away with at least one of them is, is crazy town. And so now, as I said, you go into the big five schedule, the big five fucking sucks. Terrible, and terrible. Syracuse sucks and you so you have Baylor and so you basically are going to Waco Texas massively good program a lot of players have stepped up by the way there and you have to win that game in order to justify your non-conference schedule and so and then go into the Big East we will get in later into the podcast and the fact that the Big East has stepped up which is going to help us from a Help all of us later on in the season, but again, I just can't harp on the fact enough that Jay's got to find a way to expel these guys. This is not going to be the answer. Six guys is not going to be the answer in in the long run here, and so I am, I am, I'm, I'm just pissed about it. I'm just still like livid about that fact. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you so want to talk, talk tennis, Tennessee?
1: Yeah, I was going to say let's let's even just talk about like a couple of good things more broadly, which I think probably. Yeah. Would- hits more on on Tennessee in general um but I, I will say one of the things that that did stand out for me in Tennessee in particular and against Purdue today was the balanced scoring um Tennessee was crazy how balanced it was, and I hadn't seen a game like that in a while, so love to see that knowing that anybody can step up and beat another top team is always a plus. We don't have quite the killers that we did, obviously, with some of our, I'll say, 2016, 2018 teams where somebody's going to go off for 30. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen with any regular basis, but it is nice to see it. To really round out the scoring, though, was Caleb Daniels against Purdue. Obviously, we lost today, but Caleb finding his shot, man, he was absolutely scorching. I think he missed maybe one shot or something like that. But having uh, until, late yeah, until late yeah. in the game. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. But having that confidence boost and having somebody there who could say, okay, great. Caleb's going to come in and yes, maybe he'll actually make some shots too is absolutely huge. And they were, for I was making the comment that I think it was in the Tennessee game. He still hadn't hit a three at that point. Then he finally hit one. And then obviously hit a bunch today against Purdue. I was cautiously optimistic. Maybe this is his Eric Pascal moment, which if you remember, Back in the 2017-2018 season, Pascal started off the season, I think it was one for 27. It was from something crazy. It yeah. was, maybe it was two for 27. Insanely bad. Teams were sagging with him, not even guarding him. And then, obviously, he just went on a tear. And we all know how that, that ended with the Kansas game in particular. Uh, in the Final Four, he had a great run. So maybe this becomes a bit of a turning point. At least a bit of a confidence boost for Caleb, which i love to see. Uh, I will also call out Dixon, I thought, did a great job continuing his momentum. Not as big on the score sheet today, obviously, with the foul trouble. And even against Tennessee, you know, he didn't have the big numbers, but I thought he played really solidly. He shows a lot of confidence around the hoop. He does not hesitate to make a move and take these guys on. And we talked a little bit about his emergence as being pretty critical for this team. I still like what I saw. I think he's got he got to be a little bit smarter on some of his fouls. One of the foul calls today was absolute garbage. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it was was terrible. But regardless, knowing that we've got a number of pieces, a number of guys who can contribute and who are ready to score, gave me a lot of confidence. So that was one of my big takeaways, both from the Tennessee game and then the Purdue game as well. Yeah, I want to stay on
0: positives for a second here. Look, we talked about minutes, allocations, and stuff like that. That being set aside. The top six guys on this team, I'd take against any top six in the country. Narrative, like, narrative, narrative. It's a narrative. Our, top f- six our good. floor, our floor is really high. Like the worst that this team is going to perform is really good. Like, like, yeah. like so, so like that is something that I can take a lot of solace and comfort in because that'll play well for the East games on the road. Um, it'll play well for uh, Big Biggie's tournament in the first round when we're inevitably going to get that stupid noon game for the yeah. one seed, right? Like it also plays well for our first and second round games of the tournament, like of the NCAA tournament. That all is high stuff. Like It's good stuff. Like, right. Like the yeah. fact of having a high floor is really good. Obviously our podcast is focused on ceiling because we think that this could be a national championship contender, um, and if they can figure out a level of depth that makes it possible. So, and by the way, Jay Wright himself has said that. so that's not something that we invented. Like he said the only way we're gonna win a title is if we find depth, right? Like so that's not invented. So, so, like Jay himself is saying that, so we gotta invent it. So positive point is that is that the floor is really, really high for this team. So this looks to me like this is like a 25 plus win regular season comfortably. Um, And so I feel very good about that fact. Um, And then I'd also point to the fact that after really on Twitter expressing a lot of concern around the defense, I actually think, again, from these top six guys, that the defensive level has risen significantly from the lat from last year i think that has a lot to do with slater and dixon's emergence um and also i feel like colin has indeed found another gear defensively he doesn't seem to be getting beat as often or as badly um as he does when colin and chris are both on the floor together then it gets ugly um but between that and um uh, and and Caleb getting a little bit more um, in control and not fouling as much, I feel like the defensive level has risen a little bit. And so I feel optimistic coming out of this weekend from a defensive standpoint. Totally. And I think some of our listeners may be saying, well, how can you square up what you just said and what you went on
1: earlier with our defense being good and kind of collapsed down the, um, down the, the end of the game? I think it's pretty clear, like, we played well until we got tired. And when we got tired, kind of everything fell apart. The offense fell apart. The defense fell apart. One went in hand with the other. And there we are. So anyway, I think that's pretty good takeaways from the week. We've got a bunch of other stuff to talk about too, for, uh, for the rest, the rest of the conference as well, had a hell of a week as well.
0: Yeah. We got to get to that. We got to do awards. We got to do awards. We We got like a Thanksgiving thing. We got a
1: lot going on around. We do. We do. All All right. All
0: right. All right. Should we do some awards? Yeah, so Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. A couple of different candidates, but as someone who loves above the rim play, I'm going to pick the more to Samuel's alley oop in the Tennessee game. And I felt like that alley oop was really like the final like blow. Like that was it. It was like there was nothing they had. They had they went to a zone. They weren't even paying attention to Samuel. Oh, Samuel's it was so just- good runs a baseline run, and Moore just chucks on the pass, and Samuels just absolutely rips it home. That, to me, was the man play of the week. I'll give a runner-up candidate to the block that I referenced earlier that Slater made on Ivy.
1: Yes, the Slater block was really nice. I got to go with the Samuels oop as well, too. Tennessee's trying to counter. They're trying to see if they can do something different to throw us off our game, and the answer was nope. We got this game over. All right. Easy one there. Alpha dog for the week. Arf, arf. For me, I'm going with Justin Moore. We talked about the balanced scoring in the Tennessee game. Justin had a great game against Purdue as well. The thing that stood out to me that we talked about preseason is Justin Moore's decision making seems way more sound this year. And he seems to be playing. Under a lot more control than I was used to seeing him play last year, and if he's going to continue to play with that level of confidence, that level of control, and there I say Jalen Brunson level decision making, I think this team has. I think this team has a high ceiling. But yeah, so Justin gets my nod for uh, the alpha
0: dog arf arf of the week. Fair enough. I'm going with Jermaine Samuels. Jermaine, Jermaine Samuels, 14 Jermaine. and 11. Uh, against Tennessee, um, so look in a very balanced attack. I thought he was the player of the game um, there against Tennessee. We already gave him the uh, Shack Fit uh, play of the week, um, and then and then he had uh, ten five and three uh, against Purdue, which was also um, towards the towards the top end. So uh, I'm going with Jermaine Samuels. I just I, I like. To me, I think people are waiting for him to be this like absolutely blow you away type of guy, and it's not going to happen. But like, he has steadily been excellent this entire season: seventeen against Mount St. Mary's, twenty against UCLA, eleven against Howard, 7, uh, fourteen against Tennessee, and ten against Purdue. Like, he just finds his way into double digits every game.
1: The the two guys that we talked about, I think, is being big question marks: Jermaine, who's always been question marks, Jermaine and Justin seem to have their heads screwed on straight this year. And the consistency we're seeing from them is amazing.
0: Yeah. I'm really jazzed about it. Um, the pass the fucking ball award of the week. I'm going to give it to Jay Wright, um, <laughs> the head coach of the Villanova Wildcats. Uh, for all the reasons aforementioned, if I have to give it to a player, it's going to Chris Archidiakona.
1: Oh, Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. I got to agree. I think Jay definitely gets the nod. Um,
0: if I'm Pass the, up, the fucking ball to a freshman, please. To, to, to
1: literally anyone. To anyone, <laughs> please. Yes. Actually, no. Full stop. It's gotta go to Jay because that is the definition of the award. It's going to Jay Wright. Done. Moving on. N-
0: narrative. 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 Fucking narrative. <laughs> Jay, pass the fucking ball. I love it.
1: Yeah. Oh my god, so good. All right. all right. It's a
0: little Thanksgiving episode. We've been committed this year to a little bit of like a holiday infusion, especially early in the season. Haven't gotten approval from Rob yet to do something around Chinese New Year, but we'll work on it. Oh, um, i very open. Yeah, all right. Um, so Thanksgiving, so I feel like we should do um a little bit of like a food comparison. Who is mm. the turkey? on the table Ooh. who's the stuffing like who's the drunk uncle like what do we got here from our guys what do you think how about how about that you like that idea I, sure let's go with it let's
1: go with it. i think i think the easy one to start i think colin's got to be basically the the turkey if you will if i'm sticking players only just right. because he's the centerpiece you kind of know what you're gonna get there's not a lot of flash there but it's solid. You're like, yeah, this is pretty good. Like it gets, it gets the job done and it's solid year in and year out.
0: And that's what Colin Gillespie brings to the table. I like it. I'm going to take Jermaine Samuels and I'm going to say he's the stuffing, you know, that it's going to be there every year. Some people make a really good stuffing. (laughs) Other stuffing is a little bland. (laughs) Most of the time it's pretty good. (laughs) So I think Jermaine is the stuffing. And he also knows how to stuff. Sometimes, as we talked about on the previous segment. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, interesting word choice. But yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll roll with that. Like
1: we'll a that. dunk.
0: Come on, man. Yeah, Get your yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your head in the gutter.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, we started off we started off the pod with uh, basically a Cialis ad, so there we go. Um, <laughs> anyway, oh god, I'm only on drink two tonight. I wish I was on more. Um, all right, so what do we got? We got the stuffing. We've got the turkey, so I guess we've probably got some of the sides at this point. Maybe we do a little little cranberry, a little cranberry sauce, a little cranberry jam. That, to me, is something that not everybody likes. It's really up for debate a lot of the time, so if I'm thinking about our players on this one, I think for right now... It's got to be Caleb Daniels.
0: Yeah, that was, was laughing. I was really hoping you said Caleb Daniels. It's, it's got to be, really gotta well be done. Caleb, Daniels. Really, well be done Caleb Daniels. really well done there. Really well done. I'm going to pick Eric Dixon next. Mm, okay. And I think he's the gravy because Ooh, because, yeah, yeah. because I thought that Dixon was just going to be like, you know, this kind of side piece of the year yeah and he's been that delicious additive when you put it he, all on top, like you, you just,
1: side piece you layer
0: it on, you layer that on to the top of all the food, and it makes everything more delicious. and it's a it's a it's a pretty damn good gravy if i if I don't say so myself i I like it. I like
1: it. Um who does out leave us. I guess we can kind of round it out. Slater to me, you know, if I think about my my food set left,
0: I've got a dessert.
1: Slater to me's been a little bit of a dessert this year. He's like,
0: um. You know, But he's but he's like a solid dessert. He's like apple pie, pumpkin pie you level know, dessert. You know,
1: you know I, I hope so. I hope so. I'm not quite there yet. I'm like, I'm excited to see him. And maybe that's kind of where my head's at. Like, I'm excited for dessert. I know it's coming. I've got it in my head. And that's where I think about Slater. I'm like, yeah, we've talked about Slater. Slater's had some games. He's had some games. But I want to see that top-notch game against the top competition. So it so a little bit of a dessert in my mind, I'll say.
0: Justin Moore's the mashed potatoes. Mmm. Mm. Delicious. Everyone likes it. Not complicated. Gets the job done every time. You need it to fill you up. You can fill it up. It'll stuff you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he can fill he can fill up the he can fill it up. Um, but he could also, he could also um, you know. He can also knock you on your ass, so to speak. So he's he's the mashed potatoes. Um, I, uh, I that that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, the lo- uh, the freshmen are the vegetables in that no one fucking eats them. So nobody eats <laughs> them. Nobody. Eats. So, everybody so- eats except
1: the freshmen.
0: Yeah, everybody eats except the fucking vegetables. So <laughs> the freshmen are the uh, you know the the, the, the carrots, uh, the Brussels sprouts, if you will. That's where the freshmen are. And then uh, – I think Jay's getting the drunk uncle right now. Based yeah, on right based now, on the first half
1: of the pod, he's like, I won the title. Short bench, short bench, short bench. And we're like, yeah, Jay, we get it. Short bench. You like to play the seniors. Like, try something different. It's not 1994 anymore. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's having the
0: political conversation that no one's in the mood for. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, we get it. Like, come on, guy. Like, like, eat your fucking vegetables. Come on. (laughs) Yes, well done. Well done. And then Archie Diacono is. Did he get invited? He got invited. He's at the kids' table. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: definitely at the kids' table. (laughs) Yeah, he's something on there. He's like he's like the fake champagne you give your you give the kids.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's doesn't, good. doesn't okay.
1: really deserve to that's be good. good.
0: I like that. I like that. I like that. It's a little bit more of a New Year's Eve thing, but I'm yeah, accepting right. it. I'm accepting it here. All right. The 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 Dom is is getting doled out to which is Ryan is getting doled out to the uh, <laughs> um to to everyone seated at the table. He's getting the the Martinellis. You know, he's yeah. That, that's that's where Chris is at right now.
1: Perfect. All right. For the sake of our viewers, our listener viewers, we now have viewers, I guess viewers, yeah, listeners, viewers. ears, perfect. Should we? We got. We saw it's a long pod already. Should we talk about what happened in the Big East this we week? We gotta live around the
0: Big East really quick. The bottom line is that the headline of the college basketball season early this year is that without Villanova picking up wins against Purdue or UCLA, it doesn't matter. The Big East has been the headline conference in the first two weeks of the season, which is great news for us who haven't happened to win those games.
1: <laughs> so, Absolutely. And yeah. if
0: you said you saw this coming, I'll
1: tell you, you're full of shit. Yes. Nobody saw this coming. Amazing, yeah, you're, drunk amazing, amazing you're the week. drunk uncle. You're the
0: drunk uncle. If you
1: said 100%. you saw that coming. Amazing week for the big East. If we would have knocked off Purdue this week, it would have been an absolute pinnacle on top of some Gavit games domination, Seton Hall knocked off number four, Virginia. Marquette knocked off Seton number Hall, 10 Virginia, Illinois. Michigan. 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 Are,
0: you, are you drunk? You're the drunk. On
1: me. I'm literally, I literally have my notes in front of me. I looked at the word Michigan and said Virginia. <laughs> I, I don't know what's Those happening. Those men don't look anything alike. <laughs> they really don't. They really don't. Oh my God. And then Xavier and Travis Steele won the Battle of Ohio, knocking off number 17, Ohio State. Um, not to mention some of the other wins that we had, including Providence over Wisconsin. So just like a plethora of great wins for the Big East this year. I just or for the Big East this week. I
0: I mean I'm ecstatic. I mean, pro- yeah, you, you said Providence over Wisconsin, which was a nice win in and of itself. Even though Wisconsin's not ranked. I mean, the the Michigan win for Seton Hall blew me away. Like Willard and his team going out there. By the way. Seton Hall's got a tournament level team. Like I watched some of that game, they have every position covered. They they're good at every spot. Like they don't have like this like big name guy at any position, but they they they're they're solid all the way through and relatively deep. So I I like what um, the roster construction of Seton Hall. There's a balance to them that I think makes them really dangerous, and the fact that they won a game. At Michigan is huge um, for their tournament chances to get in uh, to get into the NCAA's after a year where they were kind of expected to be max a bubble. Uh, then you have um, the Wisconsin, uh, sorry, not the Wisconsin, Illinois. Uh, the Marquette game was that that was terrific, and then as you mentioned, Travis Lexington Steel with the uh, with the victory over. Ohio State was electric, and the Centa Center was on fire that game, um, and so that was awesome, awesome scene uh, for the conference there um, as well. So then, and, and you got close on um, Saint John's, Indiana, and Saint John's had a player ejected in the first half of that game, um, so it really could have gone and ran away. Um, so this has been this has been a hell of a week um, for the conference for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And uh, definitely some big games coming up this week. I know we won't do a full preview, but just to call out some of them, Ohio state back on the menu playing Seton hall tomorrow, Monday Butler playing number 15 Houston. And then you've got on Wednesday, UConn and Auburn playing. So, Uh, A lot of good games coming up this week as well. Going to be some further tests. Marquette, unfortunately, in the midst of getting stomped on by St. Bonaventure uh, right now. But that loss aside, great week all in all for the Big East. Um, Should we talk real quick national just to kind of round this out?
0: Yeah, so we kind of alluded to this earlier. To me, I think my rankings is Gonzaga, Purdue, UCLA, um and then you got like you know you got a Kansas Kansas. in there I think Duke is pretty good um and so uh, to me I think that's where you're looking I think Villanova I don't I don't I'm not moving Villanova way down this list here I think Villanova is still very much on the elite eight final four cusp level team um but that's kind of where I'm where I'm at nationally um as we're kind of looking at the top the top group here but like yeah if I'm betting on a final four right now I'm putting Gonzaga Purdue and UCLA in it that's where I'm at
1: yeah it's interesting we'll probably drop a few spots this week um you know we're number five I think we're number five this week I expect us maybe to drop to like eight or something like that but I agree I think the ceiling for this team is, is still what we've talked about and definitely going to be potentially one of those last weekend teams Huge game this week outside of the Big East. You've got UCLA versus Gonzaga. Really curious to see how this one goes. If Gonzaga comes out and absolutely stomps on UCLA, that is obviously going to be a statement game. Not that Gonzaga needs a statement game, but I think that would just allow them to really cement some of that separation that they potentially have or theoretically have between them and the rest of the field. So really exciting game to watch this week. Um, don't usually don't always get all, all number one versus number two. Um, so that'll be cool to see how that one shakes out, but all in all, and, really, really interesting for us.
0: And you have a UCLA team that brought everybody back and a Gonzaga team that brought a lot of people back except Jalen Suggs. Um, And so in that game you have, you have, there's a revenge factor there. Yeah. for UCLA, Absolutely. So, I'd be interested to see. I, I, I'm not ready to make a prediction there, but I wouldn't be surprised to see UCLA knock Gonzaga off, nor would I be surprised to see Gonzaga not be too concerned about that because knowing that they're going to go like 20-0 and 0 in their conference.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. What does it matter? Exactly. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, I think those are most of the notes from the Big East and then looking around the country as well this week. I do love the fact that we get to look around the country again. It's just – it's fun broadens our perspective a little bit um
0: absolutely
1: but yeah so i think i think that's probably about it for this one right and then we'll obviously come back
0: midweek or so for to do a little bit more of a big five preview yeah i think that'll probably drop after thanksgiving if i had to be a betting man um we're gonna maybe might be able to get it out midweek um but you know we're gonna if we record on Tuesday, then you know we got to give Brian a little bit of time to have a Thanksgiving with his family. So do it now. Do it we'll now. see. Do it now. Do it now. Um, oh, all right. That's it. Right. That's what we got. That's all we got. All right, guys. Two and one. All is not lost. High floor. We're still excellent. We just got to beat every game on the remaining out of conference schedule. No big yeah, deal. No big. no big. It's fine. No big deal. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's Let's go go Nova. Nova.